Hello, I'm Jimmy Famarewa and welcome to this special episode of Life on a Plate, the podcast from Waitrose. It's September, the playground gates are open again, in kitchens across the land, lunch boxes are being packed, while in school canteens, pies are being baked and custard is being stirred. We wanted to mark the monumental back-to-school moment with an episode focused on the joys, or otherwise, of school food. I feel very well-versed in this, having, let's say, mixed memories of school dinners myself, uh, ranging from the very comforting to the somewhat distressing. Um, And I've also got two young sons who are running that particular gauntlet now. Unfortunately, Alison was not around for this episode, but to compensate, I was joined by two fantastic guests, Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne, otherwise known as the Scummy Mummies. We couldn't think of any two people better placed to take a wry look at the subject of children's food. They are an amazing comedy pair with a hugely successful parenting podcast called The Scummy Mummies Podcast, and they're in the middle of a live national tour right now. And also, Helen has found the time to write a best-selling book recently. They each have two children too, so between us we had a lot to talk about, including the merits of chocolate custard and school canteen mash. So here we go. Please enjoy our Life on a Plate Back to School special. Right then, here we are. Welcome, the Scummy Mummies, Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson. We know each other a bit, don't we? And I've been on your podcast and there was a food link there because we did it in a incredibly noisy burger uh, restaurant. Yeah, in retrospect, that was that was a bad choice. But it, to be honest, it was they offered us free burgers and cocktails and we were like, well, you know, screw the sound quality. You know, the audience can just turn it up. It'll be fine. <laughs> I think it was a good call. Um, so it's, it's really, I'm so excited to have you on here and there's so much I want to dig into with you guys. But I want to start off, um, this is a back to school themed podcast. And I just wanted to sort of just check in with both of you just with the whole back to school sensation like some people really thrive on it don't they the new stationery the that feeling of sitting up alert and right let's get down to business and returning to to work or just kind of getting in that mindset and some people really struggle with it where which camp do you fall into Um, I'll start with you Helen Oh, yeah, I, I was that kind of nerd. I remember, especially when I was in high school, getting excited about new books and like the smell of, you know, new Sharpies and all that sort of stuff. And I think as a parent, I sort of feel that as well. Like I like, even though the kids don't need new lunch boxes, I get them anyway. It's such a waste. So I kind of get a bit excited about it. And also there's the excitement because I'm a single parent of them actually going back to school and not being <laughs> oh, That's nothing to do with being a single parent. I think all parents, to be well, honest. Well, I was going to come on to this. Yeah, obviously after uh, we've come through the ringer of homeschooling and uh, 18 months of uh, disrupted school time, does does that just override everything in terms of, is the sensation just pure gratitude and joy just that they're going back? Absolutely. I want to give all the teachers a lot of kisses and a lot of hugs in a very, very enthusiastic way. Please take them. Uh, yeah, so I think that's it. And also, I, I like the blind optimism of starting a new year. It's like starting, you know, the new year. It's like January 1st. He's like, yes, 
We're going to cut back on screen time. We are going to only have healthy lunches. We are we are always going to be on time. We are not going to have nits. You know, yeah. that's sort of triumphant. <laughs> We're going to be that better family this year. Sort yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. Last last for like, you know, yeah. I don't oh, know. Four days. What, one school day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Halloween when they're just eating Cadbury's for breakfast again. It's all over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Would you say that you share that optimism, Ellie? That sort of sense of a, of a blank page and a fresh start and we're going to be different this term guys we're going to really nail it oh definitely definitely and also I think it's because it's autumn as well so Helen and I we both don't we don't really like hot weather we don't like the summer no, as no. Helen always says we like a cup of tea in an opaque tight so <laughs> the autumn for us is much but also it's our birthdays in October both of our birthdays so we've got that to look forward to um, and this September I'm feeling especially back to school because Helen and I are running the marathon on the 3rd of October so we've given up booze, basically. We've given up booze and we're trying to eat healthily and we're doing all these runs. So it definitely feels like, yes, by October the 3rd, we're going to be <laughs> super women and we're going to be incredibly healthy and probably ready for the Olympics. Although we did have a discussion yesterday about how we must research a pub to book a table in for immediately after the marathon. So I don't know <laughs> how, how long Priorities that's are absolutely straight. Um, I, I definitely want to come back to that because, you know, I've, I've run the marathon. Always great when you've run the marathon to have an opportunity to bang on about it endlessly. So, yeah, I'll, um, <laughs> that's the only I'll, reason we're doing it, so we can yeah, talk about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Get the medals out um, just to return to that. But, yeah, sticking with school and the notion of school food and school dinners, it, it occurred to me when we were kind of looking forward to this conversation with you, like even the term school dinners just seems really loaded um, in our day and age and not necessarily in a positive way. What does it bring to mind for you? And is it kind of, yeah, well, I say school dinners and what do you think of? Oh, I think I think that's a very English term because in Australia we didn't, we, you know, we just ate outside because it was never really cold. And I, we, we, we had, I always had the same, lunch every day which was like a miserable sandwich of Vegemite and (laughs) (laughs) probably half an orange and um you know just really a packet of sultanas like a little packet of raisins and things like that and then on Fridays we were allowed to get food from the tuck shop or we used to have when I was growing up sav day which was Savaloy's, and someone would wheel in a massive big pot of boil overly boiled massive hot dogs you know the red ones and some would be split and you'd have them in a bun but it would be called you know it was like 50p or 20p and we'd have oh it's sav day and there's these (laughs) sort of limp i mean we all know what they look like um things coming out (laughs) of this big old pot and the the water had gone pink from the outside Mm. of the red wrapping that's what oh, I think wow. about school dinners, and that was that. That was that was meant to be special food. I was like, oh. so uh, yeah. I mean, as as you've kind of. Um- hinted that there obviously Helen you grew up in Australia and I had this picture of I don't know like the bounty of like Australian fresh produce and beautiful seafood and all that but no it was just the big vat of uh, bright saveloys yeah uh, saveloys yeah, yeah. oh my god I, I I always feel as well like you know like sav day I've literally never heard that like you know that kind of thing of yeah, you always feel like sometimes someone from another country could just be like winding you up that like it doesn't <laughs> exist like Sav Day is not a thing like I go and say it to an Australian and they don't believe me for a second 
I'm sensing that it wasn't really a kind of, uh, it doesn't spark joyous memories for you, Helen. But what about you, Ellie? I, I definitely, um, I re- see, I really remember, I remember the nice things. I really remember, um, we used to have roast beef, which we never had at home. Mm. I think, because I grew up in the 80s, I think it might have been something to do with mad cow disease. But my, <laughs> my parents, like, we just, maybe we just didn't have the money. I don't know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So we never had beef at home. So you used to get this roast beef and it was like, you know, when like, I was looking at my kids' trainers this morning and the soul has just started to come away from the bottom because too much football. <laughs> it really was exactly like, it wasn't even like leather soles. It was like those rubbery soles. And this sort of Luke sort of tepid gravy that sort of tasted of like stock cubes and bathwater and oh, misery. Yes. And yeah. um, But I really liked it. I really, really enjoyed that. And I quite liked an Arctic roll, but I think they were the only things I liked. So yeah, eventually my mum let me have pat lunches but um, ah. I don't I, I don't think she either. I don't want to say she couldn't be bothered to make sandwiches because she, uh, she probably did and she'll kill me. But I used to have mm. pies. I used to have pork pies in my pat lunch. Wow. And then for a change, sometimes I was allowed a steak pie. You know, like you get in their little packets. I think I asked for them because I really loved them. And I wouldn't heat it up or anything. I just eat just it cold. Just cold. With the little white globules, the actual white globules of fat visible in oh, the... Oh, my it was goodness. delicious. Absolutely delicious um and my big son he's been clamoring for a pat lunch and i keep saying no because i know i'll end up making the sandwiches and i just you know i just can't there's enough going on in the mornings but now i'm thinking could i send him to school with a cold steak pie or in the modern age is that unacceptable (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i want to hone in on pack lunch did you do you just feel like pack lunch was always a better option because it did feel like I remember just being so jealous of the packed lunch kids. Like, you know, there'd be a little mini Kit Kat and maybe some Lunchables or like, you know, a kind of cheese string, like all this mad what, process What are you talking stuff. about? Did you go to Eton in my school? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you were lucky to get a packet of Sun Maids, like Helen said. Maybe if, you know, if you're really posh, you might get a Capri Sun. But goodness yeah. me, yeah. yeah. No, no, there was, I don't remember it being that fancy, but right. yeah. Right, but did you, do you just think that pack lunch was always higher in the kind of food chain, pun slightly intended, in, in terms of like lunch choices at school? It sounds like there wasn't much affection for school dinners beyond the beef for you, Ellie. No, no, not really. I, I know it is different now, I think. So my, so my sons are 10 and 6. And I think um, they get like a choice of things for school dinner. Mm. I don't remember having a choice, really. You had what there was. And I I do wonder sometimes if it's gone too far the other way. I do appreciate schools and uh, Lord Jamie of Oliver made a huge effort to improve uh, health and healthy choices, which I think is obviously fantastic. But I think, you know, since maybe since we had a change of government as well, I'm not sure how much focus there is on that anymore. And there's been some changes while my kids have been at school. You know, they, they've they've just been complaining about the lunches a lot more lately and I think there is an issue there with who's making these lunches now because it did used to be schools and dinner ladies and all of that and now it's outsourced and it's companies and what happens when they change companies yeah yeah Helen what have you found in terms of your kids and what they eat at school relates to how they eat at home are there things that they'll they will try at school and they just won't have at home? Yeah, it, it sort of started in nursery, actually, and my kids would eat anything at nursery. Like, I'd get I'd get the report at the end of the day, they're going, oh, you know, Hugo had a tuna wrap with some sardines on the side. I was like, who's this kid? And I would never even think of feeding them that. And then when they got to um, primary school, they just developed this palette of beige. And so Hugo, for the first five years of primary school, uh, ate a jack of potato every single day 
And and I was thinking, because I kept going, no, I don't want to make pack lunches and I make pack lunches now. Um, and I was like, no, because I want you to explore your palate and, you know, there's mm. all these options. And I thought, oh, stuff it. I'm just going to I'm just gonna um, make pack lunches because it was after the lockdown. I was making lunches anyway and we were just in that routine. But, yeah, I, I because I had this hang-up about my very miserable pack lunches as a child, I think I've overcompensated. I'm like, you're going to have this. And, you know, so I, I get very excited about making the packed lunch in the morning. Right. What sort of things are we talking? Because I feel like we've seen these kind of really idealised packed lunches. I see them on Instagram and social media and it will be like, you know, little sort of grapes and some cold edamame. And then there's a theme day and <laughs> someone's like whittled a little, you know, like, yeah, like it's very advanced. Is that the level we're talking about? What sort no, of things are no. you doing? I just get excited because he's got a yogurt and a baby bell cheese, you know, okay, like, okay. <laughs> which I never had. I was like, woohoo! Or, you know, um, a, a random sort of biscuit or something like that. But um, yeah, I've got lunches that they like and 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 he is basically eating a ham sandwich every single day. So I don't know if that's better or worse than having a jacket potato. But I think in terms of maybe feeling sort of happier and feeling like, I don't know, like that sense of like connection and being sort of looked after is probably quite a nice thing for like kids to have, like particularly after the period that we've had and that sort of sense of you sort of having that little package that you've made for them that they open up each day and they can ask you directly or can you do this can you do it that way and but there is that one thing is like I always chop up some cucumber or apple and 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 we have posted about this on the scummy mummies um instagram that the cucumber goes to school and then it comes back again and then and that's the game it's like where should i just put the same piece of cucumber in the uh just just varnish it just varnish it it will live forever. exactly right just shrink wrap it just so that other kids see that he's got this beautiful yeah. beautiful mixed salad I'm so glad you mentioned Scummy Mummies there in relation to this, because obviously your long running, hugely successful kind of double act. As you say, it's a, you've got an Instagram account, you've got a hugely successful podcast, more than 200 episodes, uh, 5 million downloads. It's, it's, it's amazing. But so much of kind of what you guys have, have done and the, 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 the image of perfection and the parental pressure that you've pushed against it does seem to like relate to food as well and that notion of kids being fussy eaters and what you need to get on the plate and you know you mentioned the beige food I know that like you know you've been like standard bearers for the uh, fish finger tea haven't you well I love food I'm obsessed with food I read about it all the time I cook all the time and I love restaurants and all of that um but yes definitely so food's always been a huge part of my life and definitely you know with my first son I did do all the pureeing and the and the stuff like that and then I had another baby uh, and, then, <laughs> and I did do it but he was uh, he was premature which I think wasn't your your yeah yeah yeah, well, yeah. My, my son my youngest uh Remy yeah he was premature as well I think we spoke about this so. yeah yeah so my son Joe was born nine weeks early um so with him then it became about feeding him in the hospital and that there was a whole lot of stuff about that and I started I, ha I had to use breast pump to get the milk going and um I so I'm a person who likes a goal, I like a target, I like a mission. So I went on, you know, like how Stalin used to like start these grain, like he used to get the whole of this of Russia, like producing enormous mountains of grain. <laughs> that was like me with the milk. I had my own drawer 
I had my, I produced so much milk that in the freezer at the hospital. And this is not because I'm sort of superwoman, by the way. I'm not saying it's it's very difficult for many people to produce milk, and I'm not saying there's anything good or special about me. But I just took it incredibly seriously and was very lucky. Um, no, so I but I my, do I do remember there was that whole thing where you would take it in and you'd drop it off, and they'd be given the breast milk. And yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when Remy was in the 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 NICU ward, and it was kind of this big. Uh, thing so yeah but you do because when they're in the hospital and you're at home you have to set an alarm so every three hours you have to you have to express so you have to wake yourself up in the middle of the night so anyway I produced loads of milk and then when he came out of the hospital and he's absolutely fine now and it was all fine but then um I was obsessed with getting his his weight up so I did, was doing all the pureeing when I could but then I was also like here have these biscuits have these I mean I don't mean Jaffa cakes obviously I mean like you know like <laughs> nice little organic sort of wheaty things but I just gave him food and and snacks kind of whenever he wanted because I just wanted him to eat um and here we are a few years on and weirdly (laughs) the first child eats all sorts of things eats sushi eats curry you know eats loves a roast dinner all of that Joe will basically yeah like Helen was saying beige food pizza pasta chicken nuggets he doesn't want you he doesn't want your roast beef Jimmy he hasn't got time for that He'll only eat chocolate. This is like, this is what I'm saying. He will only eat chocolate ice cream. He won't even eat another flavour of ice cream. It's like, <laughs> he's very specific. And I entirely blame myself. But it's just it's just what happens, isn't it? So that's the thing. I think, like, as with so many things with parenting, it all just changes as, as they grow as they grow older. And yeah. Yeah, you mentioned adventurousness with food and wanting to kind of pass that on a little bit and introduce them to new things. And I know that, yeah, both of you are both very into your food and have you kind of had that point where you're just like okay I, I just am gonna the, the jig is up in terms of like uh, Helen in terms of trying to introduce kids to things that are maybe a bit out of their comfort zone do you do you still try and do that or are you kind of like oh no that ship has sailed I think I'll just kind of give them what they want yeah I, I am I'm 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 in the the camp of like whatever's easiest, you know, we've got enough on. Um, and, and I think, and I, and so many friends have reassured me saying, look, I only ate sausages for the first 20 years of my life or things like that. And they, I, I, I love when pair, older parents say, look, look, my daughter, who's now a human rights lawyer, only ate, <laughs> only ate peanut butter on toast. I was like, well, that's great. You know, that will lead to amazing career prospects. Um, so I, I think, I think you have to give yourself, cause I just don't want meal times to be a stress because I work really hard and the kids are at school and we've all got these things on. Actually, meal times is our chance to connect and we actually have our best conversations sitting around the dinner table because nobody, you know, there's no devices, there's nothing else and and we can kind of let the chat kind of meander. So if it's not me going, eat your broccoli, you know, then then there might be some of these lovely moments to connect as a family because I just think, you know, and also the way that our work works, the way Ellie and I do, you know, we've got Instagram and podcasts and, you know, all these other things that we have to do for money, <laughs> gladly, <laughs> but but but, well, my, but I never feel like I'm off. And so I think dinner times I've sort of gone, well, look, I've got this like trio of vegetables. I always put down cucumber, carrot sticks and red pepper. And that goes with every single meal. And then I'll have some kind of beige protein, whether that's a sausage <laughs> or, or a chicken nugget or something else like that, or a fish finger. And so that that is the step, or a pizza, you know. And so, so, so that's kind of my standard thing. And I think, well, look, there's three different types of vegetables, three different types of colours, and 
yeah, they probably drink about four liters of squash. Um, it's fine. They're very <laughs> hydrated. Um, so, so that's that's kind of my approach to thing. But my daughter's a bit more adventurous. Um, but in the end, it's like, well, you know, it it is a bit like fed is best. Um, so. So that's that. But, you know, I hope, you know, I had all these aspirations when I had my children uh, that I'd have like Friday night will be Japanese night and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> and now I'm like, ah, oh, pizza again. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a strange thing being a parent, isn't it? Because like, I remember like pizza used to be the most exciting thing in the world. And now mm. it's like the mere mention of pizza between like me and my wife sometimes it's like oh my god can you imagine eating a pizza without having to because there's a child <sighs> present um wanted to congratulate you on your book oh thank you it's really great like honestly and um ellie as well because you write a very uh moving chapter just to start with your experience and please do only share as much of it i know you've spoken about it a lot and you've written a book about it but in terms of what happened to you and your decision to as you have done throughout your work with scummy mummies just share your experience like at what point were you like okay i'm gonna have to be honest about this very private very difficult thing that you were going through yeah so um in march last year um i found out my my ex-husband really basically wasn't who he said he was. Uh, and we, we came separated. He had an affair. Um, uh, so we, <laughs> surprise. Um, so, so he moved out very quickly. And then, yeah, we went into lockdown. And so for the first three months, it was a bit like pregnancy. Uh, Ellie and I kept it quiet because, you know, I was processing it. But when, when it came to June um, and Ellie and I could meet up again, we recorded a podcast basically announcing that I was – um, I was single and and now a single parent. And from that moment on, um, we were really surprised with the feedback that we got from other single parents who said, thank you for representing me or thank you for talking about it on on your platform because the platform is really big now. And we've Ellie and I have, have, have had very similar, um, you know, we were both married, both had two children, lived in South London. So there was lots of similarities. And now, and now we're slightly different, still real big scumbags, but, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think I, I just decided that I would be really open and honest about my yeah. journey as a single parent, but also not shying away from that. I really liked it. It's the, in the name of the book, isn't it? Get divorced, be happy. Get divorced, be happy. And it's not. <laughs> It's not telling everyone to do that. It's just that <laughs> it was about the surprise that, you know, um, it wasn't a decision that I had made, but it was, it was you know, it has been a surprise just how absolutely gloriously happy I am since becoming a single parent. And I, I think I'm a better parent because of it. I have my children five days a week and, yeah, and then I have two days to recover and then, <laughs> then, then back again. But I think, you know, I just, you know, there are some nights that I don't go to bed until midnight because I'm doing all the jobs. It's As someone said, it's not single parenting, it's double parenting because you're doing both, you know, you're doing all the roles. And, like, you know, I often take photos of my apps, you know, almost ceiling high recycling and, and the mess that I've got going, oh, my God, no one else is doing this at 11 o'clock at night and I'm still going <laughs> to make sure there's something in the packed lunches for tomorrow. You've had a lot of food specials on the, on the Scummy Mummies podcast as well, and it has been a real something that you've returned to and talked about. What are the things that people most often talk about in relation to kids and food? Is it the fussy eating thing? Yeah, I think I think fussy eating is one of the things, and, and I think it's one of the mm. greatest letdowns of parenthood. 
um, <laughs> because you have you start with such such enthusiasm and think, oh, welcome to the world of food, young person. Listen, look at this. You can share these sort of you know beautiful meals and things like that. Oh, I like that story I've heard about when you made something from scratch for Hugo. Oh, that's all right. I made a pizza from scratch, and I said, "Here, kids, I made it from scratch." And they're like, "I don't want a scratch. I don't like scratch." And they put it in the bin. Oh no! <laughs> Nobody wants scratch. Not Nobody scratch wants again. Scratch. <laughs> oh god! Oh no! Oh yeah. my god! I feel like a lot of parents will have a version of that where they've mm. kind of with the best intentions. Like I think I remember making what were essentially homemade fish fingers and uh like kind of posh ones like kind of goujon things and they just got completely rejected and it was so heartbreaking um yeah are, are there any other things that you can think of Ellie? but listen there's sort- well here's the thing there's fussy eaters and then there's i'm discovering there's a whole new brand of fussy eaters so as i say my younger son joe is what we know of as a fussy eater he, he will only eat yogurt if it's spelt without an h that sort of thing right <laughs> my eldest son charlie he's much more of a foodie um but he's like now become fussy in the sort of fine dining sense so now like we'll go to a restaurant and you know how kids have no volume control and they haven't yet learned to sort of you know monitor their behavior in public properly so he'll be like hmm mum I don't think this steak really is medium rare I'd say it's a bit on the bloody side and I'll be like oh, right in front of the waiter and I'll be like you know I'm I'm English we don't complain about food unless there's actual maggots coming out of it we just keep quiet keep your head down and when they come and take the plate half full of food away you just say oh I'm just not very hungry that's that's what we do in Britain um, it'll be like, yeah, I don't know if it's on point. I'm like, what are you ta- what are you talking? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask about eating on tour as well. Like, do you have any sort of rituals or? When we started Scummy Mummies for the first few years, we didn't make any money. We didn't have any money. We mm. couldn't afford to eat out and stuff like that. What would you do then? Would you just kind of? We would have a kebab in bed. We would. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that sounds terrible. But we would share a double bed in a Premier Inn. <laughs> kebabs again. We'd get a kebab that after sounds gig. gross. Yeah. <laughs> Take it back to the yeah, to the. It was like a lovely twist on the sort of uh, what was it, Morecambe and Wise in a bed, sort yeah. of you two just with a kebab in a premier in. Like I'm a, sure yeah. Anton Deck do it to this day. Yeah. Uh, they Wake go down the kebab shop in curry Newcastle. Sauce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, but then after a few years, we did start to make money, and we started. And so we hired. I used to do all the driving as well, and it became to us. So we started hiring my dad. My dad, who used to be a comedian in the 80s, he became our roadie hilariously in his 70s. So. And he, because he was coming, he sort of knows the go, the game and stuff. And one night he said after the show, he said, why don't we go for a curry? And we were like, oh, that's a good idea, Dad, because curry houses very often are the only places, especially going to smaller towns, um, they're the only place that's open after 10 o'clock at night when we finish work. So we got, and it was brilliant. So we got into this ritual of like now every single night after the show, we go for a curry. We ring them in advance, make sure they're open. We get in there as quickly as we can. We order immediately so the waiters can get it done and get out of there, you know. Um, and we have some lager. And it's it's just an absolute delight, to be honest. Some night, we have been known to have curry four nights in a row on a long tour. <laughs> and I'm just not sure. We've been back to the same. Recently, didn't we, Helen? We went we went to two, two gigs in Chipping Norton. We just went to the same curry house again 24 hours later. Yeah. We were like... <laughs> if it ain't broke if it ain't broke yeah when you are when you do get those pockets of time with the whole family how are you spending it like what are you kind of you know like obviously lockdown and 
the last year intensified that kind of, and I know Helen, you were talking about, you know, you'd have a routine of going for walks together and kind of, you know, and watching movies and things like that. Do you ever cook together? Do you ever kind of engage them in that way and get them sort of into the kitchen or anything? Yeah. Like this morning, um, uh, my son's favourite breakfast is pancakes, bacon and syrup. <laughs> and Fantastic. So Excellent yes. choice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so he was making the streaky bacon and I was oh, doing nice. the um, I was doing the the pancakes and then my til- Matilda, my my daughter, she was flipping the pancakes. So I was like, kids, if, if you're getting mum up at 8am, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to do this together. So that's really nice. And I, I like doing that. And we have, we have sometimes which we call wrap not that we wrap we wrap dinners and then we all get like tortillas and they just have lots of bits and things and I quite like those sort of I like those kind of dinners and Hugo and I always used to make flapjacks together and it's really whenever uh, that was when he was in nursery and there's something about making those together that we go oh remember when it was just the two of us and the oh, wow. at school and there's so there's nice little memories interwoven into some recipes yeah 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 what about you ellie do you kind of can you <laughs> thinking about your youngest there and like can you sort of engage oh, that's in right terms um, of- sometimes i let him arrange the chicken nuggets on the train himself <laughs> jimmy um or spell out rude words with the chips yeah yeah no pancakes are a big thing uh, they quite like making cakes which sort of well i don't like making cakes it's too fiddly weighing all the things out i can't be bothered but they're quite into it so we do a lot of them but but i make us do the food processor cakes because i can't be bothered (laughs) so so stuff like that but yeah they they like a bit of cooking but i'm determined to i am i'm determined by the time they by the time they sort of leave which at the moment i hope will be never but ask me when they're teenagers but um i've said to them you are going to learn how to make a roast dinner so like proper gravy, roasted chicken, roast potatoes. You're going to learn how to cook a steak correctly and make uh, like scrambled eggs on toast and spaghetti carbonara. Because if you can make those things, you only need five ingredients for them. You need like vegetables, potatoes, chicken, bacon, eggs, and maybe a bit of Parmesan uh, pasta, All right, maybe eight or seven or eight ingredients. But the point is I want them to be able to cook, to know they can always cook a proper meal for themselves or, or a, a lady or a man that they're inviting round, you know, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something that you've kind of, um, cause I couldn't agree more. And you know, is that something that you sort of felt that from when you encounter those people that literally can't cook anything or have no sort of interest or yeah, no inclination I, I, to cook? I had a boyfriend who had never cooked pasta and I, I taught him <laughs> to cook pasta and I was like, and you have to, so, so give it a little, get a spoon, stir it, stop it from sticking. So he got a metal spoon out of the drawer, stirred the pasta and then just put the spoon back in the drawer. And I was like, I, where have you? But I think he had one of those, I'm sure she was a lovely mum and she did everything for him out of the best of intentions. But I remember also stayed at his family home once and I was like, I've got to iron a shirt for your work. Where's, for work, where's your iron? And he went, oh, we don't have one. I was like, you definitely have, I've seen your house, your mum has an iron. And he didn't know where it was because he'd never ironed anything. Right. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, yeah let's let's yeah. not do that. Maybe. Yeah. Let's let's. But not I do think that. food and yeah, food and self sufficiency, like uh, with kids and sort of equipping them with those basic recipes, is like really, really valuable. And and actually, to bring it back to school, like I've noticed certainly with my kids that they really love doing cookery lessons at school and doing kind of you know and some of the uh, homeschooling video lessons that 
you know, my eldest engaged with most were when it was like a cook along thing and he really, really responded to it. I don't know, like, um, Helen, have you found that at all? Have you sort of seen that with your kids? Oh, it's so funny you mentioned that because I said to Hugo um, yesterday, I said, oh, all clubs and societies are becoming back, you know, to school. And I said, oh, what, what club would you most want to do? You know, do you want to do football or Spanish? He's like, if there's some kind of like cake decorating <laughs> club, I want that one. I was like, that's oh, that's, amazing. That's, that's my son. But yeah, yeah, exactly right. And my daughter that's did, awesome. um, yeah, my daughter is in high school and she's done food technology and they had to make burgers from scratch. And she was so excited. She loves a burger. And it's really nice to see the joy in completing something or making something from scratch and and you know that sort of thing so they both really they both have really enjoyed that and also when the kids do every year at my kids school they did a different country for every year level and part of that was a week of food and I think that was the only time that they really tried new food is that because it had some kind of meaning and also all their classmates were doing it. So there's that kind of influence from school, which you just don't get at home. Yeah, it can be really positive, can't it? And yeah, obviously with sort of that food tech stuff and teaching them stuff, the end game of them just making you dinner and having these kind of uh, live-in butlers basically is, yes, please. Uh, is yes. what we're all striving toward. I know we've kind of established that maybe my classmates when I was growing up had like, you know, the bougiest packed lunch boxes going. But did you ever have that sense of things that you really wanted, like when you were growing up, because uh, you weren't allowed to have them and you saw other kids having them? Were there a kind of any oh. things like kind of that were really prized that you were denied? Jimmy, I've got, I've got two words for you. I've got two words for you. Um, bongo. Oh. Oh, they may or may not drink it in the Congo. I suspect <laughs> it's not actually that popular there. But um, I remember Umbongo coming out. And my, my, I, we weren't allowed fizzy drinks or like at parties and stuff. But at home, we never had fizzy drinks. There was a brand called St. Clements that in the late 80s brought out an orange squash that had no sugar or it had no colorings and additives. But my mum was convinced that um, if we had like tartrazine and sunset yellow and all that, then we'd actually turn orange and things. <laughs> so we were allowed that, but with that, we were only allowed a bit of worthy squash once a week. And then they brought out this. I saw the adverts with the cartoon with the, all the animals in the jungle drinking the umbongo, and it was all I wanted. And of course, we weren't allowed to have it, and it was too expensive and all that. And then I think I went to my friend's house. I think it was my friend Nyoka, and her grandma had got a carton of umbongo. Oh my god! And there was about four of us kids, and it was like, oh my god! And bless Nyoka's grandma, she she could see the problem arising, so she got some ice and some water, and she started like watering it down. But then we started fighting about how much she'd it down in the different cups and who was getting the neatest umbongo and I just and I remember and I drank it and it was like nectar it was like mm. nothing I'd ever taste I was just like it didn't disappoint like you'd built it up and it did not disappoint it was absolutely fabulous and it's one of the happiest food memories of my life <laughs> tinged with a little bit of resentment that I did not get the strongest uh cup yeah, but, yeah. yeah so that was that was it for me um oh. Helen what, have you got any that spring to mind yeah I just wanted something with a name brand because my dad did all the shopping and he always brought like essentials or home brand right, so everything right. I had was just like you know uh it's a brand yeah. the home brand was called black and gold in, in right, Australia yeah. And yeah. um, like black, yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, and we always had like you know cola, not Coke, and all that sort of stuff. So, I think you know, obviously, we just you know we're we're byproducts of this like media saturation. Like Ellie was saying about 
Mbongo and I just wanted, I wanted a fancy, fancy thing. And I remember for geography, we had to um, use late food labels and do a poster. And I, looking back at it now, I thought, what a terrible way of sort of shaming kids who had like all the labels and all right. my, all my, um, all my labels were all looked exactly the same because we had to say, oh, where does your food come from kind of thing. And so, so yeah, so I, I remember trying to find something that wasn't, that wasn't home brand and the only thing I could find was like Tabasco sauce and like <laughs> soaking the label off the Tabasco because it wasn't like, you know, there's one thing you couldn't get right, that was home brand. It was so a I name think, brand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But isn't it funny that they're the, they're the sort of pillars of things. I definitely remember kind of going around to like friends' houses and it's like, oh my God, they've got this. They've got sunny delight. They've got like, you know, like, <laughs> oh. oh my God. Um, yeah. And it was, it, it's weird that food is like a, can be a real focus for that kind of weird I don't know sort of jockeying for status like as like mm. a kid or whatever and just um just really craving the thing mm. that you are denied Helen I, I wondered your your memories of Australia and food growing up like do you have like longing for like those things now like you've been in the UK for quite a long time now are there specific things that you crave have you tried to pass on things to your kids like you know kind of uh you grew up on yeah absolutely and my mum gave me what was called the nursing mother's cookbook of australia which is all the recipes that i grew up with and she gave them to this this cookbook before i left and there were times during lockdown and you know i haven't seen my parents for a couple of years now that i made the macaroni cheese that i grew up with and even the smell of it like this is this macaroni cheese you make with i know um it's with a can of tomato soup bacon chopped up onion chopped up pepper and macaroni and then lots and lots of cheese on the top i mean it's that's not again, macaroni cheese <laughs> it's that's very, pasta bake it's, it's pasta bake exactly <laughs> no but to helen and her family it's macaroni <laughs> cheese i think Thanks, you have Jimmy. to respect i once had yeah. a spaghetti carbonara in cambodia that came with carrots and peas in it i think it's like that <laughs> i think so yes. a local riff yes on a, yeah <laughs> Have, have you got any of those, Ellie? Because, you know, I've definitely got things that, you know, obviously when my mum kind of, you know, cooks like Nigerian dishes, for, I think I've even written about this, for my for my kids it's crazy, that connection and being able to cook the things that I grew up eating for them and seeing them enjoying it feels amazing. And it's weird. It can sort of feel like a strange sort of cheat code, like they kind of accept some things that they wouldn't eat in any other context, but because it's kind of, you know, cooked by grandma or it's made like grandma style. Um, yeah, are there any of those, Ellie, for you? That yeah, kind of... like sp- grandma's spaghetti bolognese, that classic English dish, spaghetti <laughs> bolognese. Uh, far be it from the English to appropriate another culture. Yeah, but when my, my mum cooks that for them, they they really like it um, and stuff like that. But um, but for, it was it's really the roast dinners that I've inherited from my mum. Like Sunday lunch was a big thing for us. And so... We, yeah, and in, in lockdown especially, we we had we do we do still most Sundays we have we sit down and we have a roast. I mean, they yeah. sit down for about twelve minutes. <laughs> uh, then Joe asks for a ham sandwich. Then they go away and watch a film. But Pete and I will still sit there, you know, for a few. And it's it's, it's there's something about sitting down and 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 I like the I love cooking and I like the ritual of it myself. And if I'm completely honest, 
I like the break of it. And I remember yes, that when the yeah, kids were yeah. very young as well. Yeah. It's kind of, there's a much, there's much this sort of guilt around saying, oh, can you watch the kids for half an hour while I sit down and read a magazine? Yes, yeah, yeah, Can yeah. you watch the kids for half an hour while I go in the kitchen and stir a risotto yeah. or make the gravy or peel the potatoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But simultaneously perhaps listen to a podcast or do something lovely or as I was doing this morning watch Love Island um, <laughs> I know it's problematic let's not get into it but um, so so for me cooking I like I remember liking cooking especially and I still do because it looks like a worthy service and it is but it's also secretly a retreat and an escape and, and a soothing for me a very soothing experience So I think it's about time for us to do Kitchen Grill, which is the traditional end to podcast. It's a quick fire selection of food based questions and we've given them a school dinners theme this time. Um, feel free to elaborate a little bit if you want to. But um, here we go. Uh, chips or mash? mash. Chips. Oh, that was like almost instant. Wow. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, mash, mash. You can occasionally go wrong, but the chips are very often. Chips are rarely fantastic. I, I just love chips. So uh, as, as soon as it was like, it was like chips. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where, where chips? Where chips, um, chips, chips, uh, sponge yeah. or crumble? Crumble. Crumble, definitely. Oh, nice. Mm. We've got um, yeah, a unanimous one there. Baked beans or peas? Well, what are we having it with? Whatever you want. It can be as, you know, it can be the perfect combination, but just, you know, one or the other. Oh, baked beans, because it's more practical. You can put them on toast. You can have them with the breakfast. Yeah, beans. More versatile. Yeah. In agreement, Helen? No, peas. Peas all the way. Love wow. a pea. Okay. okay. I eat, I, right. eat, I eat them cold from the freezer sometimes. I love a pea. Vanilla custard or chocolate custard? Vanilla custard. Oh, vanilla absolutely yum 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 it's more versatile you can go on anything yeah again yeah I, I i think i see where you're coming from there like chocolate custard seems a very specifically school dinners well also it, tastes, it doesn't taste properly of either custard or chocolate mm. like it's neither flavor it's yeah. just sort of tepid I'm just telling. brown custard effectively um chicken nuggets or fish fingers oh this is a tricky one this is the fingers. I- Fingers. Yeah, I'm going to say fish fingers because one of my favourite hungover hangover foods is a fish finger sandwich. Iceberg yes. lettuce, too much mayonnaise, uh, a cheap white loaf. Ooh. Ham sandwich or cheese sandwich? Ooh. I'm going to go with cheese uh, because okay. I just it's always good. And all, all I like is after children's, if the, the corners have started to turn, I put, <laughs> I put butter in a pan and fry them up. Oh, I was that's gonna a say, very good was tip. Everything lovely. Absolutely. Very good tip. Delicious. Hummus or mayo? Mayo. Mayo. Mm, mm. Okay, I think we'll move swiftly on. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, blueberries or little box of raisins? Those raisin boxes, wow. Oh, blueberries, definitely. Blueberries mm. are more yeah. satisfying. Yeah. yeah. Raisins can be very dry. Like yes. Just, yes. And I don't like it when you get the occasional little stumpy twig on one you know you just get like a little stumpy bit of wood and you're yeah. like no i don't want that in my mouth yeah 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 no. uh, what's it's or quavers what's it it's yeah the giant ones for preference mm, yeah. giant okay. what's it's oh bring it on <laughs> yum <laughs> I'd rather I have like salt you're... and vinegar discos, though. I feel like you've let yourself down oh okay that was yeah. the real choice yeah. there baby bell or dairy lee 
probably Baby Bell. But that was a think? great treat of the 80s. My friend Rosalind, her parents always had the wheel of the Dairy Lee, which, again, we were never allowed yeah. to have. And you, yeah. they would just give you a triangle of cheese as a snack. Yeah. What a joy. Oh, yeah. oh. I'm going to have those at my next wedding for the starter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say Dairy Lee and also quick dinner, boil up some pasta, two two triangles in the bowl, tiny bit of pasta water, whiz, 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 carbonara. Wow. <laughs> Cambodian style. Add carrots and peas. Is this like your macaroni cheese as well? Yeah, yeah. It's sort yeah. Of, uh, yeah. You're welcome, all Ita- Britain. All the Italians that are listening just kind of yeah. <laughs> angrily removing their headphones. Yeah. You should do a whole recipe with Helen's tiramisu. Simply get some Angel Delight, tip some tea bags on it, and that's there you go. It's basically the same. <laughs> well, well, that was it. That was our uh, kitchen grill. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I feel like we've learned something about about you and about uh food in general and we've got to come away with a few useful recipes so there's that thank you so much guys uh helen thorne ellie gibson the scummy mummies you've been such a joy this has been so much fun it's just great to see you both doing so well and uh, just great to see you so thanks for coming on and uh yeah hopefully see you soon that'd be brilliant thank you so much bye You've been listening to a special back-to-school episode of Life on a Plate, the podcast from Waitrose. I'm Jimmy Famarewa. Thank you to my guests, Ellie Gibson and Helen Thorne, also known as the Scummy Mummies. If you've enjoyed this conversation, you can find lots more like it by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the series, go to waitrose.com forward slash podcast. Podcast.